Welcome to Hustle and Faith. This podcast is dedicated to helping you find your trail to a happier, healthier you by discussing topics regarding Christianity, health and wellness, beauty, and so much more. I'm your host, Tasha Johnson. This is episode 110. Where do we go from here? Last week was a very rough week. It was a rough week for Americans, but especially Black people. I had actually taken off Friday through Tuesday before all the protests started happening. God clearly knew I was going I was going to need some time off of work. And I went back to work on Wednesday, but my heart wasn't in it. However, like most Black people, I've mastered the art of wearing the mask, especially at work. And for those of you that are not familiar with this phrase, it's in reference to Paul Lawrence Dunbar's poem, We Wear the Mask. It's a really pretty poem, so please check it out. And so what this basically means is that it's a reference to wearing an invisible mask that you wear in order to hide your emotions so that you can perform and do what you need to do, basically, in order to make it through the day. And so in any case, I had the hardest time focusing, especially when some ignorant white white person would be, I'm all for the protests, but not the looting. Um... So this comment rubbed me the wrong way because I didn't even think that this person even cared about the protests. So, um, you know, this foolish person did not even take the time to learn that I'm not for looting either, you know? So anyway, Thursday was when I had my one-on-one, which was scheduled with my manager. Like we we meet once a week. And so that was the, the day for that week to have my one-on-one. And so I was all ready to have my meeting with my manager and just plow right through the meeting so I could tackle the rest of my to-do list and keep it moving. But before we started the meeting, he threw me a curveball. He asked me, Tasha, are you okay? How are you and your mom doing? I was thinking about you guys all week. Are you Okay. And so I am well aware that this is a very simple question, but during this point in time, he just didn't realize how complex the answer was for me. I was not expecting that question, okay? It truly, truly, truly took me by surprise. And so here's why. I've never had a white coworker, let alone a manager, who truly wanted to know the answer to that question. And then having it tied to race was just unbelievable. I've always been more of an introvert at work. You know, I I just stick to myself. And being the only Black person in the company or even on your team will do that to you, okay? Plus years of trying to avoid white tears situations, years of trying to avoid not getting angry when other people get promoted because of who they know instead of what they know, years of knowing that you're underpaid when your white colleagues are doing the exact same job as you, and yet you're underpaid, you know, and then years of trying to avoid annoying microaggressions don't necessarily leave you in the mood to feel up to talking. So I basically just avoid encountering any unnecessary awkward situations by just doing my job and looking forward to the moment when work is over so I can take off my mask. So when my manager asked me this question, I think I said, I'm okay, really quickly with a long pause. Now the long pause was because 
I could quickly sense that my mask was coming off, and I was trying so desperately to put it back on. I was so happy that we weren't like doing a video conference <laughs> because I was trying so hard to hold back tears, and needless to say, he could still hear that pain. So all of these senseless deaths, the fear and anger at the protests, thinking back on my own experiences just got to me. And I legit could just not keep that mask on anymore. And so I took off my mask and we ended up having a really great conversation about race. And since I was upset and unable to truly articulate my true feelings at that time, I shared a podcast episode that I recorded for my English students entitled, Why Can't We All Just Get Along? So in case you want to hear that podcast, that's the episode before this one, okay? So anyway, I explained to my manager that I recorded this episode, again, to help my English my English students overseas understand why these protests were occurring. And so based on our conversation, I hastily shared it with him. So then the next day, <laughs> the head of our practice called and we talked as well. We talked about different parts of the podcast because I shared it with him and the parts that affected him the most. And so when he brought up the part on the, on my podcast episode where I showed up for interviews and the job magically disappeared, I lost it again. <laughs> I was so angry with myself. I never cry at work, okay? I just kept talking to myself, why can't I keep this mask on? I can count on one hand the amount of times I showed emotions at work. You wanna know how many? Twice, and both times with these two white guys. <laughs> again, these were the only two instances because again, I've mastered the art of wearing the mask. I wish I wouldn't have gotten so emotional, but I feel blessed that I was able to even have those conversations. The one question that did keep coming up during our conversations was that I kept hearing was, what can we do? Where do we go from here? So to me, where do we go from here is where we should have been in the first place, giving equality for justice and for all. And you can read a little bit more about that in Acts 10 verses 34 through 35. We need to actually put Christ's golden rule into practice, Luke 6, 31. America has been lying for years that everyone receives equality and justice. In order for everyone to truly receive equality and justice, people, especially white people, must take off their blinders that are filled with lies and deception. There is no equality and justice in America. If there was truly equality and justice for all, every human being would be enjoying their God-given birthright. Human equality is a God-given right for all skin tones. God has no preference when it comes to skin tone. Evidence of this fact is that he made us from one bloodline, and that's Acts 17, verse 26. Diversity in skin tones, also known as what we call race, are equal in God's eyesight. And that's Romans 2.11. This is why God did not give us a choice as to what race we are born into. Again, in God's eyes, all skin tones are equal. Therefore, no race has the right to penalize another group of people based on their race. Again, race, which is diversity in skin tone, 
was created by God to give humans choices to enjoy. Diversity in skin tone was not created for one group to segregate and dominate another group. If our government truly believes in God's equality and justice, we would be able to see it in three major areas of life, housing, education, and employment. In order to begin the process of leveling the playing field, I believe the aforementioned major three areas need to be immediately addressed. Now, before we dig into these topics, please be sure to check out the website for the videos that I'll, for the videos and other um, topics that I might be referencing throughout this episode, especially the one titled How to Understand Systemic Racism. These videos are going to further reinforce my point. So let's attempt to tackle the first issue, housing. When many people think about the American dream, the image that comes to mind is a white house with a picket fence and a beautiful, peaceful neighborhood. However, for many black people, this dream is just a dream. Many people of color, especially black people, have a much lower rate of home ownership than white people. The main reason for this case is due to redlining. Now, for those of you unfamiliar with this term, redlining is when the government created maps of cities and drew lines that essentially blocked people of color, mainly black people, from gaining access to public and private funds. This redlining blocked black people from receiving mortgages, loans, funding for schools, and other neighborhood amenities. It is due to redlining as to why most black neighborhoods look like war-torn countries. Most banks will not give black people equity loans so that they can beautify their homes, which in turn helps to beautify the neighborhood. So due to redlining, this is why most black people try to move to diverse areas. They know that the moment white people stop investing in the area that they choose to live in, would end up leaving them with property that they would not be able to sell. So this practice of redlining began after the Civil War. And although it supposedly ended in 1977 under the Community Reinvestment Act, also known as CRA, every person of color knows that this is not the case. Redlining still exists in one form or another. If the government decides to put money into these war-torn areas, they become less of an option for Blacks due to gentrification. So for example, you would never know it, but the Old Town area near near Seward, uh, Seward Park in Chicago was one of the most deadliest spots in Chicago. (laughs) It was home to Cabrini Green. I know because my mom grew up there. In the case of Cabrini Green, The city kicked out all of the folks that were living there and promised those residents a shot at living in one of the new buildings that were going to be built. Surprise, surprise, this did not happen. Many of those residents ended up being displaced into further areas, into areas further south or further west, or even in the suburbs, which is like way crazy far, like Maywood or Aurora. Then... To add further insult to injury, the white people typically end up changing the name of the area and lie about how long the new area with the new name has been in existence. This is in an attempt to erase the stigma 
that people of color once lived in that area. Again, please be sure to check out the articles on the site. Like, I can't even make this up. It's crazy. They actually tried to change the name Cabrini Green to Noka, but many residents were not having it. So case in point, here's another point. The Bulls used to play in an area called the West Side, okay? It was just playing called the West Side, all right? It was predominantly a Black and Latino area. Since white people moved into that area, you know, through over the years, it's now called Ukrainian Village. Michael Jordan did not play in Ukrainian Village. He played on the West Side. Many people who don't bother to study history will probably never even know this information. Knowing the history and the problems of gentrification is why many residents from the Pilsen neighborhood in Chicago, which is predominantly Latino, are currently upset by the amount of white people moving into their area. Once white people move in, they literally drive out the people of color by raising the rent, the property taxes to exorbitant amounts that ultimately end up forcing out the people of color and eventually turning the neighborhood into yet another white affluent neighborhood. Gentrification and changing the name of their conquest, using air quotes when I say that, are common things for white people. They are trying to do the exact same thing in Harlem, in, in which is, uh, you know, another neighborhood in New York. And I can't believe they actually wanted to change the, <laughs> the name Harlem to Soha, which I, I don't even know. Like, it, that's just ridiculous. Anyway, it makes me sad to think about how our generational wealth has been taken away from us. Just think, if towns like Tulsa or Rosewood were allowed to thrive, we would not have the problems that we're having. Check out this CNN segment on the website, on my website, that is um, goes into much further detail about Tulsa, which is absolutely fascinating. Again, Tulsa and Re Rosewood were towns that were created due to blatant discrimination many Black people faced. So the Black people in these towns created their own thriving communities. These towns were filled with Black professionals who owned their own businesses. They were doctors and pharmacists, and they had every business imaginable. And there was even someone who owned an airplane. Two movie theaters as well. Tulsa, again, had more than 300 Black-owned businesses and was referred to as the Black Wall Street. Sadly, in both instances, the KKK literally invaded Tulsa and Rosewood and burned them to the ground. Literally just demolished both of the cities. In fact, the 1921 Tulsa race riots was deemed the deadliest race riot in history. Now, if you really think about it, white people have benefited from 400 years of free labor due to slavery, burned down two major thriving communities. And again, I say two because that's all that we know of and continue to have a government system filled with laws that have and continue to disenfranchise Black communities. Reparations should not be as controversial a topic as it seems to be. Plus, the Japanese were able to receive compensation for the hardships that they endured. Americans are constantly told, never forget the Holocaust and never forget 9-11. But most automatically, 
shut down the conversation if Black people start talking about slavery. At the very least, American can at least America can at least level the playing field via education. Now, there was a court case, Brown versus Education, that was supposed to address this issue that many Black people face in their attempt to receive a quality education. But again, we know that this is not the case. Evidence of this fact can be proven by simply asking yourself this question. Would you want your child to go to a dilapidated school in the inner city? Would you want your child to go to a school on the south or west side of Chicago? Now, if you're being honest, the answer would be a resounding no. Guess what? Most black kids don't want to go there either. (laughs) The schools are dilapidated because they don't have any money for supplies. To make matters worse, the teachers are poorly paid and many have no incentive or initiative to teach these kids. This was something that I never experienced thanks to the numerous sacrifices that my parents made. Now, nonetheless, I still had my share of hardships, which brings me to point number three, employment. Once I graduated from college, I had the hardest time in the world trying to find a full-time direct hire job. Now, even though I graduated in four years working full-time while attending college full-time, again, just to give you a little perspective, when I say Working full-time, I worked from 8 to 4.30, and then I went to class from 5.45 to 9 p.m. I did that four days a week for four years, okay? So working full-time while attending college, I still couldn't land a full-time job when I graduated. I could only get dead-end temp jobs, which seriously made me question, why did I even go to college? Now, I know... One of the main reasons it was hard for me to find a job is because I have an ethnic sounding name. Latasha is my full name. Okay. So if someone wasn't sure of my name and actually contacted me, once I showed up, the job was magically filled. I was so happy. I kid you not when LinkedIn (laughs) appeared on the scene because I was tired of wasting my time researching the company and the role, getting dressed up, paying for parking, only to have the interview last for five minutes because they didn't want to hire someone Black working for their company. Now, LinkedIn made it possible, at least, (laughs) for the company to know that I was Black before I showed up. So in case they wanted to discriminate against me, they could at least not waste my time and money applying with them. Now, One of the major reasons I became so successful is because my mom steered me in the correct direction. She was always telling me that if you can't walk through the front door, you have to be creative. Don't just throw up your hands and quit. Make a window or create a tunnel to get to the other side of that door. So in other words, that's exactly what I ended up doing. I created a business that made me much more marketable and that showcased my talents and skills, all of which helped me to land opportunities that I never would have received if I went the traditional route and solely relied on my resume. Due to the inequalities that exist, Black people have to be way more creative in landing a job, and this shouldn't be the case. 
As Dr. Martin Luther King said, a riot is the language of the unheard. For those who continue to call our protests riots, the way to silence them is to give equal rights and justice for all by addressing Black America's housing, education, and employment issues. We don't want to be out in these streets any more than you do. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Don't forget to check out the Prayer and Gratitude Journal for Men and Women of Faith that is available for sale on Amazon. If you enjoy Hustle and Faith's content, please consider becoming a supporter by donating or purchasing a Prayer and Gratitude Journal for Men and Women of Faith from Amazon to help offset the cost of producing this show. Be sure to connect with us on Facebook and Pinterest. Remember, if you're everything to everyone, then you risk being no one. You never know who you will inspire. See you in the next episode.